Welcome to The Real 7 Show. As always, this podcast will be completely raw, unfiltered, and uncensored. Today, I sit down and speak with Dr. William Mackies. He's an MD, a radiologist, an oncologist, and a cancer researcher. This man is a wealth of knowledge and one of the very few MDs who has had the guts to stand up against the system and really question things regarding the COVID situation and the COVID vaccines. So if this is something that you would like to listen to, then buckle up. Here we go. I'm a Canadian physician living in Edmonton, Alberta. I grew up in Toronto. I was born in communist Czechoslovakia, escaped communism when I was young. Uh, we lived in a refugee camp for a year. I learned to speak English there. And grew up in Toronto. I did a four-year immunology degree at the University of Toronto. Then I went to medical school in Montreal, did four years there. And then I did a five-year specialization in radiology and oncology. Graduated in 2010. I've worked, practiced medicine in Quebec, in Manitoba, and most recently in Alberta. I ran a very large uh, cancer program uh, for a few years. Uh, we were treating end-stage cancer patients with uh, cutting-edge radiation treatments uh, with a cure rate of about 85 to 90%. Uh, my cancer program ended up getting sabotaged by the uh, Alberta provincial government and the Trudeau federal government. Uh, they're rebuilding that program now in Vancouver uh, for $300 million. And so um, I they had come after my medical license before the pandemic uh, because I'd filed a lawsuit uh, because my cancer program had been sabotaged and they came after my license so that I wouldn't be able to work. I wouldn't be able to fund my lawsuit. So when the pandemic hit, I was actually an outsider. I was semi-retired, uh, wasn't practicing medicine. And, you know, initially I thought in 2020, things were kind of just going to blow over. Um, I looked at the case fatality rate of SARS-CoV-2, and it was like uh, less than 0.1% fatality for, you know, healthy young adults. Like myself, my wife, you know, we're, we're in our 40s. Uh, so I realized very early on it wasn't an issue for us. And um, so I thought it would blow over. And, you know, once in 2021, when... The vaccines started rolling out and they just kept pushing it more and more aggressively. They talked about booster shots. They talked about vaccinating kids. That's when I started speaking out on Twitter. And I had about 10,000 followers on Twitter. I started speaking out against the vaccines, uh, started uh, talking about Canadian doctors who'd been dying suddenly after they took their booster shots. Uh, doctors, you know, they were dying in their sleep, uh, doctors in their 40s and 50s. Uh, so that got a lot of attention. And then my Twitter account was suspended when I said that um, the vaccines in kids 5 to 11 years old were going to be a really bad idea. Mm. So my Twitter account was suspended for 11 months. I just got back on Twitter a few months ago, and I started a Substack a few months ago as well. So, oh man, there's so much to unpack there. <laughs> uh, so initially, obviously you have a very, very good idea of what communism looks like now do you see canada following that same trajectory 
as we speak. It is. And it almost seems to be on an accelerated track, right? Like I wouldn't have said that even 10 years ago. Mm. Uh, you know, I love Canada. I became a Canadian citizen after a few years uh, coming to Canada. So, you know, I, I feel very strongly about Canada and it's it's really been in the last decade, but it seems to be accelerated, right? Mm -hmm. Sort of the last few years, things have really accelerated. And now it's very much looking like, you know, the former Soviet bloc communist countries in Eastern Europe. The only difference really is that um, people have more stuff, right? In communism, mm -hmm. people were sort of deprived of all kinds of luxuries and even basic necessities. Right. So I used I remember, you know, I was standing in bread lines, you know, for like basic necessities, you know, bread, toilet paper and so on. Uh, I would stand in lines for hours while my while my parents, you know, they'd go do other things and then they'd come back and, you know, we'd get what we could. Uh, so I remember those times. Right. So people have a lot more stuff. Um, but when you look at what happened with the unvaccinated uh, in Canada, mm -hmm. the unvaccinated were not allowed to travel. They were not right. allowed to go on a plane. They were, you know, they were not allowed to travel domestically. Family members couldn't couldn't visit each other from one province to the other. Mm -hmm. You know, people can, couldn't get on trains. They couldn't get into restaurants. They couldn't get into sports facilities, uh, rec centers. People couldn't take their kids for swimming lessons, for hockey lessons without getting their kids vaccinated. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, those kinds of restrictions, that's straight out of communism, right? The other thing that's straight out of communism is the kind of propaganda and censorship, media censorship, um, you know, basically the mainstream media having a single narrative, government approved narrative. Uh, and that's all they talk about, uh, even on social media, like social media was heavily censored. Mm -hmm. uh, if you think about it, you know, people who are just talking about their own vaccine injuries were suspended. Uh, yeah. they, they were kicked off, you know, YouTube, Facebook, Google. Uh, even Twitter for a long period of time, you know, people were censored left and right. And again, because it didn't fit, you know, the government narrative on Twitter. I remember when um, when Elon Musk took over and he was talking about bringing accounts back and, you know, his team said that they would look at each account and do it one by one manually. Uh, they'd come out and they said that 11,000 Twitter accounts had been suspended for COVID-19 misinformation. This was doctors, PhDs, scientists from all around the world. Mm -hmm. were suspended and banned for you know what the previous regime had called misinformation so the censorship was really bad and again that's straight out of communism um minor differences like you know people can still practice their religion here mm -hmm. although you know religion's under attack okay. as well but you could still practice it in communism you know it was banned you know you'd have to go to church like you know at midnight in the middle of the night in a small village somewhere uh, that's that's how I was baptized, right? I uh, was basically baptized in the middle of the night in a tiny village in the middle of nowhere, so the communists wouldn't find out, right? Because my dad, uh, my dad uh, taught at the university, which was you know the the universities were run by the communists, right? Which is kind of like you wonder now, you know, we're kind of seeing the same thing here, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of it is the same playbook, uh, you know. There's minor differences, but we're well on our way there. Yeah, it's been something that, again, I've been speaking about for almost half of my life. I'm 34 now. I uh, started when I was about 15, 16. What really did it for me actually was 9-11. Uh, and it wasn't any of the, you know, conspiracy side of it. It was actually um, just myself, uh, you know, where I grew up in, in the Toronto area. There, there was a very uh, heavy Muslim presence 
And what I saw was the media have the ability to manipulate a scenario. And the very next day, I wasn't allowed to see my friends. I wasn't allowed to talk to them. Their parents wouldn't allow them out of the buildings because they were afraid for their lives because everybody just turned on everybody for, you know, the, the color of your skin. Right. Me meanwhile, not knowing that, like, this, this was an entire shit show orchestrated by these whatever you'd like to call them, whether it's the elites or the government, the media, I think they all collude. And that's exactly how this happens. But we saw almost the exact same thing. And what did it for me was, well, the the, the last thing that they had left, because they tried SARS in the beginning, and I believe it was like 0203. And everybody was just kind of like, ah, eh, fuck it, we're just gonna have a concert. Leave it alone, not gonna work. So they were like, okay, we need to dumb down people a little bit more. And then we're gonna try it again. And it seems like that's exactly what they did. And what we saw was, Dude, just for you, what happened to the whole my body, my choice through all these years? And then the moment that somebody says, well, my body, my choice, these are vaccines that when you actually look into it's it's not a vaccine at all. This is, you know, but basically a bioweapon that everything that has been tested on has died the moment that it comes across the live virus in the wild again. So we saw people getting shunned for making the right decision. So I could only imagine what it was like. You know, I, I try to put myself in in individuals like yourselves shoes who have witnessed this firsthand, you know, because I was born and raised here, right? And sure, I can see the writing on the wall, but you know what it's like. You've lived yeah. it. And when you have people who have lived something and then they're trying to tell you that what you lived is not happening. I mean, it was absolutely bogus. So I could only imagine what that did to you, man. It must have infuriated you. Well, and I can tell you, uh, you know, you, you speak to anyone who comes out of these, you know, formerly communist countries, whether it's, uh, you know, Poland, Russia, Yugoslavia, you know, you name it, mm -hmm. uh, they'll tell you, or Romania, Bulgaria, Albania, uh, people will tell you, like, it, living in communism is not fun. Like, it, it's just, it's not fun at all. Uh, you know, you can do it. Uh, people obviously got used to communism and, and put up with it for about 50 years, right? If you think about it, uh, at, at the end of World War II, 1945, you know, communism rolls across half of Europe and some countries came very close to becoming communist and they mm -hmm. escaped like Greece, uh, like Austria. I mean, there were very heavy, there was a very heavy communist presence and some of these countries barely escaped it. Of course, you know, the, the Berlin Wall went up separating, uh, you know, East and West Germany, and people were getting shot trying to go across the Berlin Wall. Mm. Uh, and, you know, people put up with it for a long time. Um, you know, eventually communism crumbled. Um, and, and when I was growing up, everyone knew that communism was a scam, uh, that, you know, the, the people who basically were in power, you know, they were liars, they were corrupt. Uh, we knew that communism didn't work, that, that it was the whole thing was bogus. And, and I think pretty much the whole population knew. You had a very, very small population that were like true believers, right? This podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Yorko. All of us know how important our health is, and Yorko has your health as its top priority. From white pine tincture to give you that daily dose of high-quality vitamin C and boost the immune system, to all-natural healing salves and soaps for day-to-day -day use. Everything is all-natural, handcrafted, and 100% all-Canadian with zero harmful ingredients. 
we all know almost all store-bought products and over-the-counter medications are causing a world of problems for us and our families. So keep you and your family safe with all-natural herbal remedies from Yorko. Visit www.realyorko.com and enter the discount code 7SHOW for 10% off your purchase. That's www.realyorko.com and enter the discount code 7SHOW for 10% off of your purchase. Now back to the pod. Uh, the vast majority of the population knew that I think that's why it eventually collapsed because, you know, you can, you know, you can only push that fraud so long, especially once the population is wise to it. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas here now, here in Canada, uh, you know, the problem we have is that people have never experienced communism. Right. And so, you know, you've got these, you know, left wing parties like NDP or liberals and, and they're pushing all kinds of, you know, socialist ideas let's say and people have never experienced they've never lived it right mm-hmm. and and so um you know people are giving a lot of these ideas a lot of leeway not realizing that you know like, like take the 15 minute cities for example right mm-hmm. there's a lot of people saying hey that's a great idea you no. know everything's within reach and so on imagine as soon as the checkpoints go up now, you know, you won't be able to drive if, if you go to the wrong place at the wrong time, you know, mm-hmm. you'll get a fine or whatever. Like people have never experienced these kinds of restrictions on their freedom. Right. So I think people just don't they don't realize the downsides of this. And those of us who've lived it are like, what the hell are you guys doing? Like, I'm literally having a backup plan how to how to flee the country if I have to, with my family, right? Because I'm not going to raise my, I mean, I escaped from communism. I'm not going to raise my family in communism, right? You know, that's the whole point of my, my family fleeing. So, you know, I mean, before things go get really bad, you know, I'm going to take my family and leave if, if things really go down that path, Mm -hmm. right. Uh, Or any further down that path, let's say. Yeah. And I think that there's uh there's most definitely the the best of you know things like you know mind manipulation, color manipulation, color marketing, advertising. They have all of these people who specialize in 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 really manipulating the psyche of of how we you know really grasp information. Once I brought to people that like throughout the whole you know uh, COVID nonsense, they they everything all of their advertisements were all blue and yellow, kind of prepping you for what was to come. And that's why the whole Ukraine thing was just accepted so quickly with no question. It was just, wow, this is war. And I'm like, there's a lot more to this. Like, have you ever heard of NATO? Do you know they've been encroaching on, you know, Russia's borders forever? Like, there's a lot to the story. It's not just as simple as one country attacks another. And it's like, well, now you have American politicians that are very invested in, you know, the Ukrainians and and they're making tons of, you know, money there. And now it's the whole scandal. People are seeing what is happening. But I kind of want to... uh, jump backwards a little bit. Now, I had just spoken to a doctor recently um, whose podcast I'm going to put up. Uh, and he is, uh, uh, I can't remember his name, Dr. Sebring, I want to say his name is, but uh, he specializes in, um, I guess, the research of cancer as well, but he believes that it is a metabolic disorder. Um and I'm I'm super fascinated with this because I feel like we've been losing the cancer war forever. It's something that we keep seeing money being dumped into with no result. All we see is this losing war. So why is it that, you know, th- there's people out there such as him that think that radiation is a bad idea, but it does have its applications. He doesn't deny that it works. Um, 
but why is it that they would shut down something with such a high efficacy rate as the treatments that you were administering? I mean, that to me, it sounds like we were getting somewhere. So why, why would they get rid of such a thing? So one thing uh, people don't realize in Canada, they think, okay, well, it's socialized medicine. So that means that the government runs everything and, and you know, you're not supposed to make money and, and, and it's all, you know, uh, healthcare is free and so on. But, you know, there is a lot of, um, there's still a lot of people who are trying to make money uh, in healthcare in Canada as well, right? Mm -hmm. So there's constantly a push to see how people can set up private clinics and so on. Uh, and with this program, you know, I, I saw it with the liberal government, especially Justin Trudeau's government, is they were starting to invest heavily into pharmaceutical companies in general. Um, one of the areas that they were focused on um, trying to get monopolies on certain uh, cancer treatments, it, it's, it's, an, it's a new area which is called precision medicine. And personalized medicine, right? So you're you're now looking at, you know, not just treating cancer. You know, you're blasting it with chemotherapy, and and everyone gets the same protocol, and you know, people get really sick on treatments, and and your you know your success rate is not very high. It, it's the next generation of cancer treatments is tailoring the treatments to the specific individual, mm -hmm. and also having a very precise treatment. So you're literally targeting just the cancer. So the treatments that I was doing was I we would attach um, radioactive molecules that had a very short half life. So we knew that they would act. You know, within 24 hours they were gone. Right, they were out of the body. Right. Hmm. Um, and we would attach them to peptides or proteins that would deliver the radiation directly to certain receptors on the tumor cells. They wouldn't go anywhere else in in um, in the healthy, so they wouldn't uh, radiate healthy tissues. Uh, we knew that they, the radiation travels a very, very short distance. So you deliver the radiation specifically to the tumor, wherever it is in the body. So it's a systemic injection. It's a clear liquid. You just injected IV and you could do it as an outpatient. You know, you just watch for a little bit of a reaction and then you send them home. And like there's, you know, it's completely different from chemotherapy where you could get really, really sick, right? Your blood counts drop, you wipe out your bone marrow and so on. So this is the next generation, right? This is cutting edge. We're leaving chemotherapy behind and, and that whole paradigm. Uh, even a lot of the external radiation, you know, where you're basically zapping certain areas from the outside, that's being left behind, right? The, the new thing is targeting just the tumor, not touching the the surrounding healthy tissues. Now, what I've saw, what I've seen is that the the liberal government and and sort of people associated with the liberal liberal government. So these are businessmen who vote liberal. These are uh, local uh, politicians, provincial politicians, mayors, and so on. Uh, they were all investing heavily into these cutting edge treatments, so they could then profit in the future mm -hmm. from private clinics, right? And I saw hundreds of millions of dollars being poured into things like my treatment, but also other cancer treatments as well. They want to be on the cutting edge. They know that the global market is in the billions of dollars right. and they want to have a monopoly, right? So they're trying to buy out small companies. They're trying to destroy any small time doctors who are, you know, might be doing this on their own. Like I was doing it in Alberta. Uh, I mean, my, my cancer program was all paid by health Canada, right? As patients didn't pay anything, Everything was paid by Health Canada. I was getting referrals from all across the country. No one was making any money, right? Even my own, even my own cancer center, you know, they were upset at me. They're like, well, you know, you're costing us money because, you know, we have to give you nurses and treatment space and so on, and no one's making any money, right? Uh, this is Canada. 
right? So people are still trying to make money in healthcare, even in Canada. Now we're seeing it, of course, with the vaccines. They're all pouring hundreds of millions of dollars into building mRNA vaccine factories. Right. There's one being built in Quebec. There's going to be another one built in British Columbia. They're all heavily invested. They all want to get rich, right? This is it. it like most things in life, it all comes down to money, even in a socialized healthcare system like Canada. And the things that you just said, <laughs> they actually tie in almost exactly. They're identical to what we're seeing with the vaccines. I mean, we could have used simple repurposed drugs like ivermectins to, you know, treat people long before, yep, you know, they started no money in it. No, nothing. No money in it. I mean, and, no and that's why. Go no ahead. one would have made any money, right? So if if we had treated people with hydroxychloroquine, mm -hmm. ivermectin, uh, you know, there's a few other uh, drugs that that were cheap and and repurposed, could have been repurposed for early treatment. Even something like vitamin D, right? Yeah. Like yeah. like just getting everybody's vitamin D levels up would have saved thousands of lives, and mm -hmm. we didn't have any messaging about vitamin D because again, no one's going to make any money on it, right? So what we saw, and you know, we've seen this in the past with other drugs, but nothing on this scale before. So with these mRNA vaccines, they really went all in. This is a this is an almost um, sort of a once in a lifetime situation where you know all the people in charge, uh, you know, the pharmaceutical industry and and sort of all the people that they've bought out, yeah. you know, all the doctors in the top positions, media, politicians, and so on, they went all in. And we know that hundreds of billions of dollars of profit were made, right? Mm -hmm. Setting aside the possibility that, you know, they might be trying to, you know, uh, harm a big segment of the population or even kill off a certain segment of the population. Just setting that aside, if you look at it just from the point of view of the money, there's hundreds of billions of dollars. There's never been anything on this scale before in terms of a product rolled out to everybody, right? And the fact that they rolled it out to everybody, no matter what their risk was, and we know that you know young, healthy adults had minimal risk of mm -hmm. COVID-19 infection, hospitalization, or death, and kids had no risk of hospitalization and death, and they rolled it out, they and they aggressively pushed it on absolutely everybody, right? And so now we have you know 80, 85 percent of the population stuck having having taken these injections with no idea of what they do long term. We know what they do short term. We know there's the myocarditis, the blood clots. Uh, we know there's, there's it, you know, it goes in the heart, it goes in the brain. There's all kinds of autoimmune issues and now all kinds mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, these rapid turbo cancers that are showing up. Uh, and we still don't know the longer term picture of, of how bad this might get, right? And they didn't care. They just, it, it's like all medical ethics were just thrown out the window. Yeah. And they just went all in. And like I said, this is literally, we're living through sort of a once in a lifetime scenario, you know, once in a hundred years, what have you, where basically all of medical ethics was flushed down the toilet so that they could push this, these, these toxic pharmaceutical experimental products on the entire population consequences be damned. And I think that uh, a lot of that too, you know, I spent a lot of time thinking about the why and the psychology of you know, what, what drives an individual to do what they do and, and what is the result of those actions and, and do they feel anything as a result of those actions? And what we saw was, for one, the biggest wealth transfer of all time. Mm -hmm. they, they basically deleted the middle class all by design. They've been wanting this for years and, and they're going to get it. I mean, especially with what they've just pushed. They are 100% going to get it. 
And now what we've seen is I, this is just my personal belief. I'm speaking for me. I personally think that the safety and efficacy of these injections, they knew was very poor. It was a very poor idea, but I personally think that they just finally wanted to roll this out in mass in order to unlock the next stage of mRNA technologies. And the only way to do it to make it seem as though they were righteous in doing it rather than, you know, having to explain the dangers. Because let's be honest, you and I both know that they know damn well what this was capable of long before they rolled it out. Now, anybody who would try to argue otherwise, I would ask them why they have all of these doses. If you calculate the amount of doses that were distributed worldwide to individuals and how long it would have taken to create those doses, why? Why is it that the very first case of, of, of you know, SARS-CoV-2, if you look at the first case of it and you actually read it, they grabbed lung fluid from someone with a garden variety pneumonia. So why this big push? I mean, they filled in the genomic sequence or the, 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 the human genome with, with, you know, next gen sequencing in order to create a vaccine, right? So quickly, but you still couldn't produce it that fast. So like they knew. So now we're dealing with the repercussions and we have individuals like yourself. Now, I want to ask you what this did to you as an individual, because I know the moment that you started speaking out, I've been facing this for like 18 years, but nowhere near the level of which you would have faced it while everybody thinks they're in danger. Right. Because now it's something where, where people feel like they're in imminent danger. And now you, well, you could possibly be standing in the way of danger. How dare you? So now virtue becomes, you know, a thing. And what did that do to your psyche to be standing up in, uh, you know, the crowd of millions being the one guy like, no, you're all wrong. All right. What was that like for you? Well, I can tell you, you know, I've been sort of used to being pursued and persecuted by the health authorities here in Alberta, Canada. You know, I've been to court 20 times with them over the past few years, you know, in regards to my cancer program. So, and I saw the same people that had sabotaged my program were the same people that had blocked ivermectin, blocked hydroxychloroquine. They had mm. actually smeared vitamin D. They said vitamin D is useless. Don't uh, don't even consider it for, uh, you know, for COVID-19. Same people, right? Same individuals uh, who were in charge of the pandemic, the lockdowns. In Alberta, they came after Christian pastors during the lockdowns. Yep. So they were arresting Christian pastors. They were arresting small business owners. They were arresting gym owners. These were health authorities who were doing that. Right. Well, that while the politicians sort of looked on, conservative politicians looked on and kind of kept their mouth shut. Mm -hmm. It was the public health authorities and the health authorities that were going around arresting basically Alberta citizens for, you know, the crimes of trying to keep their, you know, small business open during the pandemic. Right. So I saw the same people committing the, you know, similar crimes. Um, so I wasn't as worried speaking out because I was already in a legal action. Uh, so, and they had already come out after my license before, so I wasn't aware about losing my license. So I've actually been outspoken more than other doctors have been or could be in my position because they have nothing to hold over, over my head, which is mm -hmm. usually either your medical license, your hospital privileges, or your job. But if you look at what's happened to Canadian doctors, especially, and it's been happening to U.S. doctors as well, anyone who has spoken up, they've had their career destroyed. They've had their medical licenses suspended. I mean, they come after your livelihood, 
right mm -hmm. so it's it's yeah. it's a it's an issue of not just silencing you they don't they don't just want to silence you they want to punish you and they want to punish you almost in a public way so that you serve as a deterrent to everyone else who might think about speaking out or raising concerns right this is why for example in canada uh, you know, they're going after the doctors in an almost a very public way. And the mainstream media, mm -hmm. again, goes after these doctors very publicly, calls them anti-vaxxers, calls them, you know, spreading disinformation and, and, and all that. And the mainstream media have ganged up on the handful of doctors who have stood up and said, no, this is a this is a crime. You know, this is unethical, like like the vaccine mandates. They were all unethical, unscientific. In yep. my opinion, they were all illegal. Mm -hmm. regardless of whether you know there were corrupt judges that signed off on vaccine mandates in my opinion you know it was illegal no matter what mm -hmm. um and but again the persecution was very severe it's happening in the united states as well it seems like it's it's much easier to control doctors in canada than it mm -hmm. is in the united states you know the united states is just bigger you've got 50 states each state is different uh you know it's hard to go after you know individuals in a uniform way the way the authorities have gone after in canada right and 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 the doctors in canada you know they fell in line right uh even the nurses a lot of nurses spoke out a lot of nurses got fired or they were forced into early retirement or they left i mean i know you know it was probably thousands of nurses who pushed back against this fraud and against the damage of the vaccines doctors you can literally you know count them on on two hands out of what a hundred thousand doctors in canada there was maybe a dozen that spoke up and paid the price right but but there is a very high price to pay for speaking out and 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 it's because the again for the first time we saw the medical institutions almost uniformly were compromised and they were compromised yeah. early in the pandemic right this wasn't like like you know someone got a 10 million dollar transfer you know two years in like they were compromised right at the very beginning so the yeah. doctors were silenced almost at the very beginning they were told that they can't write vaccine exemption letters or mask exemption letters they can't treat like doctors could not prescribe ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine and the pharmacists wouldn't fill those prescriptions that has never happened before. Like these are approved, safe, approved drugs. You know, we we um, we can use drugs off label. We do it all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, the drugs are we know they're safe. They are approved for a pharmacist to say, no, I'm not going to fill that prescription. That's never happened before. Right. Basically, mm -hmm. pharmacists blocking the practice of medicine. Then, of course, you know, the colleges, the medical boards, you know, they basically threw all medical ethics out the window. Yeah. And we got like a tyranny. We got basically a medical tyranny for three years. And it's yeah. still ongoing. It's still ongoing. And I actually want to ask you about how, how like the, the direction of which you think this is going to go. But I think that this is, you know, worth bringing up again for all of those who seem to have just forgotten. Because there are, you know, many people who, uh, you know, I spoke to during this who were on the complete other side of the coin who believed everything that they were being sold as though the government has been fucking batting a thousand. Right. Like, come on, guys. <laughs> but, you know, these people are the the same ones that would say, well, what, what, what freedoms have you lost? And it was like, well, I, for instance, the freedom to go and use a treatment like ivermectin, which is the gold standard of which other medicines 
safety and efficacy is based off of. That's how safe it is. With billions of doses, now all of a sudden it's a horse dewormer. All of a sudden it's given all of these names and as as though it's not being used, as though you know uh, chloroquines haven't been used as anti-malarial drugs forever, right? And you know the funny part about all of this? Is that if you went to Cancun, you could get it over the counter. You don't need a prescription, nothing, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And and it, and it was available for their population, right? You go to a lot of countries, you just get it over the counter, mm-hmm. like no problem at all, right? Well, I believe I believe in uh, places like Mexico, for instance, when you cross the border, you were given a COVID package, which included ivermectin. So it's it's very odd that you you weren't even allowed to say these words. For two, if you said ivermectin, you had to write it with like symbols and shit on your Instagram in order to, you know, not be yeah. flagged. And all of us have been through tons It'd be of suspended. Accounts. Yeah, I mean, people right. were suspended for talking about ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine. Yeah, absolutely. Which is so insane. I mean, and and even to have the discussions like, you know, well, why are all of these, you know, chloroquine, you know, places that produce chloroquine, why are they getting burned down? Like these are this isn't just fucking coincidence, man. This doesn't just happen of all the drugs that you have available to you. Why the one that can help? Why? Because Orange Man said that it was going to work or some shit. Right. And people what we saw was people start to, uh, you know, attach a political ideology to a health issue. And that's where shit starts getting dangerous because then you start to play with a belief system and, you know, a political party. And I hate to break it to everybody. And I don't know why everybody doesn't understand this yet, but they're all uniparties. It's all uniparty. It's them versus us. It's not blue versus red. It's dude. Like it's quite literally us versus them at this point. Like we need to take care of ourselves because nobody's coming to save us. I'm sure you know that just as well as I do, especially now, like seeing the conservative politicians not say a fucking word about anything. And when people say, oh, well, you know, Pierre Polyev. And I say, listen, it's this simple. Why has none of them had the balls to stand up there and say one of the biggest problems is you guys allowing the sexualization of our children? Because it's not politically correct. That's political yeah. suicide, right? So we saw this with this virus and it became it became annoying. It really did. Because it's like, man, I'm just trying to look out for my health. Whatever happened to me being able to make a decision for myself by looking at something that is the gold standard like ivermectin. But you would rather me take something that is completely untested and the data of which you're claiming the the, the efficacy rates. At first, it was like 97%. Then it was 86%. Then it was 50%. Now it's like you're probably going to die but right? so how, like, how did yeah. we get there? And what did you see when this vaccine, uh, we're going to call it a vaccine just because that's what they called it. Yeah. What did you see when they started to roll this out? When you as a, a doctor started seeing what they wanted to use and how they wanted to fight this, knowing that we have these off-label drugs that can do better, much better. What was your reaction to to the fact that they were going to try to use mRNA technology? So there were a lot of red flags uh, as the vaccines were coming out. Um, First red flag was I thought as a physician that, you know, they would roll out vaccines in the high risk populations, Mm -hmm. meaning high risk for having a hospitalization from COVID-19 or death. And we knew what those groups were. There were two groups that were high risk. It was people uh, higher than age 70 in long-term care homes. 
they seem to be dying at a, at an increased rate. Of course, now we know that there you know there were very con- you know suspicious circumstances even among those deaths. Yep. Um, and people who had multiple comorbidities, so they may have been younger, but they had three or four very serious health issues, underlying health issues, and you know whether it was diabetes or obesity or what have you, uh, and they were getting sick as well. So these were the two at-risk groups that should have been considered for a vaccine rollout, and that should have been the end of it. So when they started talking about, you know, rolling out the vaccines in all adults and, you know, reaching herd immunity and so on, that to me was a big red flag because, again, you know, you're rolling out an experimental vaccine in everybody, uh, even people who have, like, virtually no risk. Uh, that to me is just medically unsound. You know, that, that, that seems like that could be medical malpractice. Yeah. Right. You don't give uh, experimental treatment. I mean, as an oncologist, I give experimental treatments to end stage cancer patients. Mm -hmm. And even they go through a very, you know, rigorous risk benefit assessment to make sure that it's, you know, that the risks, uh, that the benefits outweigh the risks. Even when you're an end stage cancer patient with two, three months to live, even then we go through that. And yet, you know, there was no risk benefit assessment done and rolling out these vaccines in the entire population, right? Uh, so that was the first red flag. Another red flag was uh, using lipid nanoparticles and mRNA technology, which again, I was familiar with to a, a small degree as an oncologist, lipid nanoparticles you use again in, in cancer treatment. And they were looking to load up, load them up with chemotherapy and deliver them all over body, all over the body, right? So you could actually... You know, it'd be kind of a new way of delivering chemotherapy uh, throughout the body. And we know the problem with these things was that you couldn't control where they would go. So the lipid nanoparticles would go everywhere. And that was what they were designed to do. That was what they were meant to do. They were meant to go all over the body, right? And there was no, no, no way you could control where those things would get delivered. So the idea that you'd get a shot in your arm and it would stay in your arm was a complete fraud. But again, a lot of people didn't know that, right? You know, we were lied about that. Uh, you know, I knew that with my oncology background, and again, I knew that mRNA as a as a as a platform, as a technology, again, was just it's they they don't they don't know how to control it well. It's it's in its infancy, you know. And now we get you know this this BS told to us that oh, you know, they've been studying mRNA for decades, and you know this has been you know well studied for decades. Yeah, they may have been trying to figure out how to use and control you know the mRNA technology. Again, usually in cancer, but again, it's 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 in its infancy, right? This technology is in its infancy. There's a lot that you know they they still don't understand about the mr mRNA technology. So rolling out something this experimental that you would maybe think of doing only in end stage cancer patients, you know, those were just you know big red flags for me. And I told my wife right away, I'm like, we're not getting this. Like this is not for us. Uh, and it was you know I I saw. At that time, as they were rolling out the first two doses, I saw all kinds of psychological uh, tricks and operations that were being played, right? And you could, you could, I mean, you can go through the list. You know, they were they were using guilt, shame. They were attaching it to virtue. So you were a good mm-hmm. citizen if you got your vaccine. Uh, they said you can't visit grandma, you know, in long-term care homes if you don't get the vaccine. They made parents uh, tell tell. Um, you know, the grandparents, they can't see the kids 
uh, you know, if the grandparents are not vaccinated, like all kinds of psychological tricks, it made it it made its way into the churches, right? So then they had yeah. they got to the religious people through uh, basically compromising the leadership of the churches, holding vaccine clinics in the churches. You know, we had even we we even had the Pope chiming in and saying, "Oh, you got to get your vaccine and all this." Like seriously, like I, like are you serious, right? <laughs> So we saw the different uh, psychological operations, right? And so, you know, they used the lotteries, right? Uh, when they couldn't get enough people, they started, you know, offering a hundred bucks. Then they'd enroll you in a million dollar lottery, right? When when that failed, they took away your job. Uh, they made you a pariah in society, right? They made you unable to enter restaurants, unable to travel. So they used every psychological trick in the book. And some of those tricks were evident very early on. Uh, I remember one that was, and and this will stay, I mean, this will stay with me probably for the rest of my life, but I saw a clip very early on. It was a mayor, a New York mayor de Blasio. And, and he's, 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 uh, he's eating a burger, burger and fries, burger and fries. Yep. Right. And he's like, Hmm, vaccination. Mm, Oh, you mean I get a burger and I get fries with it too. And I'm like, like, this is a, this is like, this is a skit, right? Like we're, we're like in some kind of a comedy skit. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, I mean, he was doing it seriously, right? You know, he was, you know, he, he was getting filmed and everything. And, and it's like some of the psychological manipulation was so blatant that I don't understand how people's, you know, spidey senses were not just like, you know, you know, just screaming like something's very, very wrong here. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, right, right in the beginning, um, I think what really did it for myself, what was similar to what you're talking about was, uh, so I wasn't able, I did anyway, because fuck these people. Imagine trying to tell adults what they can and can't. I think it's hilarious. Um, but you can't go walk your children outside. So anybody who knows anything about virology, if you've studied virology, which is flawed at the very best, um, you will know that typically respiratory viruses, the moment that they come into contact with any UV light, they're toast. It's done. So I can't, I can't. C-A-N-T, <laughs> I cannot take my kids for a walk in the fucking forest, but I can go stand in a line at every corporate-owned store, but not the mom-and-pop shops, just Walmart, McDonald's, Burger King. Costco. But, uh, <laughs> Costco. So, and, and guess who's putting the labels on all the floors? Oh, look, it's the politicians that own the companies. Is Doug Ford getting filthy rich, right? So we saw this... It was just fucking sinister. And then it it was like we were just in the Truman Show, man. Like you look around and everybody's completely bought into this idea and doesn't even have a question. Yeah. It's absolutely mind boggling. And and to just put things into your body that you know nothing about, does that not seem, but this is the faith that people have in white coats. And I implore people all the time, like, look, there's never a hundred percent good people or a hundred percent bad people in any field. Like my doctor, me and her have many different beliefs. Like she still thinks, you know, the sodium is terrible for you and butter is bad. And I'm kind of like, well, <laughs> like we could, we could argue that because I have sound data that shows that what you're saying is wrong, but overall she doesn't want to prescribe you prescriptions. She would much rather you take, you know, make sure that you, you're taking adequate omegas. Are you drinking right? Are you sleeping right? So she takes a more holistic approach. And I think that yeah. that as a whole is, you know, a much more, 
logical decision for people, no? Like to, to try to keep things as close to natural as possible without pharmaceutical intervention. I just, I would think that that would make sense. But apparently over the last three years, sense is completely gone. So when, when you, you with your background, you see all these red flags, you see all these psychological operations, and then you start to look at the data and the death counts. Now, what have you uncovered there? Because I know that this is a huge topic for you. Yeah, um, I saw, you know, initially when when the first two doses were being rolled out in early 2021, I didn't know how toxic these products were or were going to be, right? Because, you know, it, it, it was sort of, it wasn't clear in the beginning. I mean, you, you'd see, you know, you'd see the athletes collapsing here and there. You know, we started to hear about myocarditis and so on. We knew that there were some sudden deaths, um, you know, in the first sort of first two weeks. And, you know, the idea that they would label you unvaccinated in the first two weeks. And if you collapsed and died from the vaccine, uh, you were counted as unvaccinated was just a complete ridiculous fraud. Uh, but I didn't know how bad it, it would get. Uh, and this sort of, I think, came out a little bit later on. Um, by, I'd say by the summer of 2021, it was clear to me that the boosters, the entire thing was a failure. Right, the first dose, two doses had failed, and the boosters had failed in Israel because that's where they had rolled out the boosters first. Mm. They were the first ones, right? They were the laboratory for Pfizer, uh, as uh, their president uh, Benjamin Netanyahu likes to brag now. Um, so they rolled out the booster shots, and then within a month of rolling out the booster shots in their population, they had the highest infection rate of COVID nineteen in the world, right? And and like that was a huge red flag. Uh, so it was pretty clear that the vaccines were, they they didn't work, right? right. They just didn't work. Uh, and then, you know, the, the issue of the the damage that the vaccines were actually causing, that took some time, I think, to play out. Uh, and I've, and I've, it was really last year that I started seeing uh, some of this data, the excess deaths, right? That's where we're seeing it isn't, because they're, they're, they're covering up, they're covering up the deaths, the injuries, mm -hmm. we know they're covering it up in Canada, they're covering it up in the United States, Australia, in the UK, there's a huge article that just came out, tens of thousands of Britons are dying. Uh, nobody knows why, right? What could they be dying from? Right? Gee, I wonder. So, so now they'll admit <laughs> that people are dying, you know, by the tens of thousands, excess deaths, right? In the United States, excess deaths are on the order of about 300,000 last year, right? Excess deaths beyond the baseline. In Canada, it's about 30,000, 30, 40,000 excess deaths beyond the baseline. So about one in a thousand people dead, excess deaths, probably from the COVID-19 vaccines. But, you know, we can't say that or or we can, but, you know, we'll get attacked for saying it. Sure. Um, but, you know, they're they're hiding, they're hiding the injury data. And so the only way we can look at it is through excess deaths, uh, all-cause mortality, Right is because everything else is being buried. Autopsies are not being done. So I started seeing a lot of this data last year, um, the excess death data. And what I saw was a pattern where, you know, you've, you've got all these young people who are sort mm -hmm. of collapsing and dying, but initially it's sort of just like athletes, right? And then you start seeing it in the occupations that mandated the COVID-19 vaccines. We're seeing it, doctors dying, nurses dying, firefighters dying, police officers dying. You know, now we've got pilots dying, right? Um, so you see it in these um, occupations that had very aggressive 
COVID vaccine mandates, mm -hmm. right? And Ed Dowd, I think, uh, you know, the former uh, BlackRock hedge fund manager, now an independent uh, Wall Street guy who, you know, uh, has been sounding the alarm on excess mortality and disabilities in the United States from insurance data. And he's been on about this for, for a little while now, talking about how basically the working age population has, has it looks like it has been poisoned, right? Because you look at the people who are working age, who who remained working during the vaccine mandates and those who dropped out of the workforce, you know, when the vaccine mandates came. And those who dropped out of the workforce, they have way less disabilities, way less deaths, uh, and everything else being the same, everything else being equal, right? So he goes from all the data that he's looked at, it has to be the COVID vaccine and the vaccine mandates. There's no other explanation for all of these deaths, disabilities, and injuries. And, you know, he put out a report a few weeks ago talking about uh, the numbers that he has seen in the United States. He talked about 26 million injuries, vaccine injuries in the United States, 1.4 million disabilities, and 300,000 deaths that he believes is due to the COVID-19 vaccines because there's no other plausible explanation to explain all of the, these excess disabilities and deaths, right? And even the health authorities, you know, in Canada, for example, you know, we had some of the provinces come out with record excess deaths. And in, in Alberta, here where I live, the number one cause of death now is not cancer. It's not dementia. You know, it's not heart disease. It's cause unknown. It's, it's literally, they will just say cause unknown, right? And so, you know, this is this is the reality we're living in now is, you know, there's this huge elephant in the room. Um, you know, they're trying to ignore it. I have been very vocal in the last few months in terms of putting out anecdotal data about sudden deaths mm -hmm. um, and, and, and how it looks like at the ground level. Who's dying? Right. Like, like, where are these sudden deaths happening? Who's dying? What are they dying from? If we can find out, have they been vaccinated? Uh, and it seems to be hitting younger and younger people. Now, you know, we've got high school kids who are collapsing and dying suddenly, right? Kids that were mandated, you know, uh, by their universities, for example. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, there's kids being found dead in, in their residencies. Uh, you know, all kinds of horrific stories. I'm just trying to bring it out, you know, into the public consciousness so that people wake up and, and, and realize what's going on. We need autopsies. We need investigations. Uh, we need to get to the bottom of what are the mechanisms of how these COVID vaccines uh, are injuring people um, and are causing these sudden deaths. And what can we do to prevent these sudden deaths, right? That's sort of my physician mind thinking sure. about, okay, we've got a problem. How do we diagnose it? You know, how do we deal with it? How do we treat it? How do we prevent people from dying, right? Because mm -hmm. if if we have excess deaths, on the order of tens or, or hundreds of thousands, how can we stop those deaths from happening if we can, right? That's what we should be looking at. That's what every doctor should be looking at. Yeah. And yet, because there's so much money in these couple of pharmaceutical products, these, these COVID vaccines, because there was so much money that was being made uh, and a lot of people benefited, right? A lot of doctors got promotions. A lot of doctors got famous. Yeah. Uh, a lot of doctors made money. A lot of hospitals made money, right? Like if you were, uh, you know, uh, you know, there were incentives to roll out a certain number of, of, of doses, 
you know, you got bonuses. Uh, so there was just a lot of money that that is involved. And now no one wants, like you said, the conservatives, why the conservatives are not talking about COVID vaccine injuries and deaths is because they were complicit. Yep. They were complicit in this fraud. Right. They have their hands dirty. Now, now they can't backtrack and say, wait a minute, we were against uh, the vaccines all along and and so on. No, you guys supported Pfizer and Moderna as much as the liberals did. Right. Yeah. And that was the same across all the provinces. When you look at Duck Ford in Ontario, when you look at Jason Kenney in Alberta, all of these so-called conservative premiers rolled over for Pfizer and Moderna and sold out their own populations. And they covered up the injuries and deaths, just like the NDP and the liberals did. So they all have their hands dirty to various degrees. You could say that, you know, the federal liberals obviously have their hands dirtier because, you know, they're the ones who procured the COVID vaccines. You know, Mm -hmm. these entities like Health Canada, obviously liberal run entities, Canadian Medical Association, another liberal run entity. They pushed these products. They approved them. So you could say they're the most guilty. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the the conservative uh, provincial governments, they they rolled over and they sold out their populations uh, as well. Yeah, hundred percent they did. And and how do you feel about just vaccination in general? Just as a you know as as a practice on its own. I and I know myself personally, I've done far too much research at this point to sit here and tell anybody that they're safe. Um, I personally think that we have skin for a, a reason, and I, I think that it's designed to keep, you know, pathogens out as much as possible. And uh, I think that if you read books like, you know, Dissolving Illusions and, and look at all of these studies from, you know, vaccinations, everything from, you know, polio, because I know a lot of people love to bring that up, like, oh, what about polio? And I'm like, dude. If you only knew how they tried to say that the polio virus is a thing by, you know, they couldn't do it any other way. And I'm talking, you know, putting saliva from one mouth into the other, lung fluid from one into the other, injecting it from one into the other. They couldn't get anybody sick, so they needed to cut open a monkey's brain and inject it directly into the brain. Like, there's no point in your life in which somebody's going to walk up and inject you directly in the brain. And then they finally said, ah, There's what we've been looking for. And that just goes to show you how this pharma cartel, you know, has provided all of this information, which is not information at all. It's just biased BS to push a narrative and to make more money. Like everything has been based off of these petroleum products. So I always like to ask doctors themselves, because even Dr. Seifried, I believe I said Sebring earlier, so that's my mistake. But Dr. Seifried, who studies cancer, even in, in, in our in our discussion, like he thinks that the whole COVID thing was a fiasco, but he's got his two shots. He's, he's you know, of the belief that like, oh, well, what would have happened if we didn't vaccinate people? And well, everybody would have been fine, man. Like take some Buckley's and shut up, right? Like it really wasn't that hard, right? Um, but but is still like, oh, you know, we've been using vaccinations to eradicate disease. And it's like, I'm not going to sit here with two hours, you know, discussing with you, you know, about your profession and how you may want to just look into something. I'm not saying that you should. I'm not saying that you have to. I'm just saying that if you did, you may be able to change your opinion. So what does someone like yourself think about vaccination as a whole? So I can tell you, um, I went to medical school from 2001 to 2005 and residency from 2005 to 2010. So during that time, the curriculum, the medical school curriculum was you basically didn't question vaccines. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was just no room for, you know, looking into that. That was sort of like 
you know, they're established, safe and effective. You you really don't question it. Why would you? Right. That was that was the attitude. Right. Sure. And so that was the attitude that I sort of graduated with. So I never really kind of thought about it. But again, at the same time, you know, this was the era of sort of Vioxx, the Vioxx scandal, mm. right? So you've got, you, you had this pain medication that was causing heart attacks in a lot of people and it was being denied forever. And then you find out that tens of thousands of people had heart attacks and they finally admitted it and, and pulled it off the shelves. So, you know, that was on my mind as I was going through med school and graduating. So I was always skeptical of new uh, pharmaceutical products, and um, even one that I that I, I think was was already quite controversial as I was going through uh, med school was Gardasil, yes, uh, HPV vaccine. Mm-hmm. And I already knew that there were some <laughs> issues. There were some issues with that vaccine. You know, there were some neurological uh, side effects that were quite bad. Uh, you know, they were trying to push it on boys as well as girls. It, the whole thing was, you know, th- that was my sort of first thing that I questioned was the HPV vaccine. Uh, And then, you know, we had, um, just as I was graduating, we had the swine flu, H1N1. And um, we were forced to to, to take a vaccine for that Mm -hmm. H1N1. And I didn't want to take it. But I was just like a year from graduating. Sure. I thought like, I'm not, you know, it's, it's like, you know, you're, you're an immigrant kid. Uh, you mm-hmm. come from a communist country, you know, you grew up as an immigrant kid, you get into medical school by some miracle, yep. you're about to finish. Uh, and, you know, I wasn't going to sort of jeopardize my entire career. Of course. Questioning this new H1N1 vaccine. So I basically crossed my fingers. I lined up with everybody else and I took my shot. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, I, but I, it, you know, I didn't like it. I didn't like the pressure, the coercion. And it was, we, were, we weren't given a choice. It was like, this is where you're going to go line up and take your shot. You know, the swine flu thing is going around. You're a healthcare worker. It was a similar kind of, you know, psychological manipulation already then, right? But I was always wary of of sort of new new pharmaceutical products, right? It's again, it's 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 I had that, I still had that training where you sort of question, you know, every new product, right? Mm -hmm. And you have to weigh the risks and benefits and so on. Sure. And especially in my career as an oncologist, you know, you really have to be careful. You really have to weigh the risks and benefits of any kind of experimental treatments because, you know, some of these treatments have terrible side effects and you have to say, okay, well, I've got an end stage cancer patient. Is it worth, you know, the horrific side effects or, you know, the risk of them getting, you know, some horrific disease years down the road? So, you know, I mean, that was all part of my training. Uh, But I got to tell you, um, with the mRNA vaccines, you know, the, the caution that I had was this was brand new this was you know brand new experimental brand new technology if they had come out with a vaccine that was sort of based on sort of the classical style vaccines where you know attenuate you know they attenuated the virus or what have you uh and they had done it the same way that vaccines were done in the past i would have had a lot less hesitation sure Uh, but i had a lot of hesitation with the fact that this was a brand new platform that had never been done before, never been rolled out on a scale like this, right? Now, after the experience of seeing how much they lied about everything, Mm -hmm. now I go back and I think, okay, well, you know, everything I know about the classical vaccines, is it all a lie? Is it all a fraud? Uh, You know, have we been lied to not just in the last three years, but have we been lied to in the last 30 years, 40 years? Right. And and so that has opened my eyes 
sure. to basically, you know, be willing to question everything, right? Mm -hmm. Because once you realize that the people who have lied to you completely, blatantly, you know, like Fauci, Fauci's been in charge for what, 30, 40 years? Long time. At the NIH, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he's a, he's a lifetime bureaucrat, right? So what has he passed in the past, right? That was basically a fraud. I mean, he yeah. committed fraud now. Did, did he not commit fraud in the past? Was he honest? And then just, just for this one COVID vaccine, he decided to be a complete con artist? Or was he a con artist his whole life? And, you know, he's been passing things that were not safe or effective. So I, I think, um, you know, I can't speak for uh, obviously other doctors, but I can say for myself is I am questioning things now in a way that I would have never questioned them in the past. And I think sure. there's just no way around it because of how much we were lied to about these, you know, shots and vaccines. Yeah. And this is this is the way that we move forward. I mean, I think that when we're, you know, humanity is stuck into in in certain paradigms for so long that that we never even question and we just assume are safe. It's like, you know, there's been people with some very, very compelling evidence as to, you know, the link between autism and vaccination. And it's like, well, why are these autism rates just spiking through the roof? And then you say, well, if I go look at like the Amish communities that don't vaccinate, well, autism is almost non-existent. Dementia is almost non-existent. Alzheimer's almost non-existent. Like the only common denominator would be diet and vaccination, because we all know that diet contributes a huge part of, of you know, what a person's makeup is, the, the saying you are what you eat. I mean, I know we all know how, you know, th that is very, very accurate. It doesn't get much more accurate than that, right? Like we had these, these same doctors who are, um, you know, pushing these jabs also said years ago that artificial sweeteners were fine. And we're finding out, well, no, man, they destroy your gut biome. And no, they're not okay. Like, how can you tell me that something that is an artificial sweetener, it's in the name, should go into an organic being? It just, just common sense would tell you that it's not good for you. But what you've done is exactly what I would hope every doctor, everybody in the medical field would start to do is to be able to have that discernment to, 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 you know, recognize patterns and say, well, if they've lied about this, this is the same people that produce everything else. What makes you think that they wouldn't like, why would they pick Pfizer? As far as I'm concerned, Pfizer has the biggest, uh, you know, payout and, and lawsuit rap sheet of any other pharmaceutical company. And they're the ones creating these, you know, vaccines and, they're sponsoring all of these, you know, whether it be the media or everything you watch is sponsored by Pfizer now. And it really yeah. goes to show you the strong arm of this company. Or if you look at Moderna, I mean, Moderna has never produced anything. Ever. Right. This is a company. Where did this company come from? Right. Who's behind this company? You know, they've they've literally never produced a single product. Mm -hmm. Right. Like the COVID vaccine was their first product that they're ever, ever produced. Uh, yeah, so I, I think, you know, we're at a point where, um, you know, I don't know how bad things are going to get in terms of the vaccine injuries and deaths, because uh, it seems to be increasing from year to year. And mm -hmm. 2023 now seems to be worse than last year. Uh, there's more and more of these sudden deaths. And, you know, I think we will eventually see enough evidence of fraud come out conclusive evidence to that will eventually bring down Pfizer, bring down Moderna, and will cause an absolute 
you know, calamity in the pharmaceutical industry. I think we're going to see some kind of a reset in 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 the pharmaceutical industry uh, down the road because of what happened with with these COVID vaccines. And that same thing goes for all the regulatory agencies, right? I mean, the way they pushed through these vaccines, you know, with the with the bivalent booster, they tested mm. it on eight mice. I mean, this is they're, they're literally laughing at us at this point, right? Or when they were approving the vaccines in kids, and they said, "Well, we don't know what it'll do to the kids unless we roll that roll it out in these kids." Right. And that was part of the approval process. Well, we don't know what it'll do. Let's just roll it out and see what happens. Yeah. Well, how about your kids first? How about we test it on your kids and then see and then see how 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 the rest of us, you know, feel about it. Right. So yeah, uh, you know, the whole regulatory process, I think the the trust is gone. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we know that the regulatory process for pharmaceuticals is basically now a fraud, right? So what do you do when you have an institution that you know to be completely corrupt. Mm. Uh, you know, there's no trust left. Uh, you know, you've, you've got millions of people getting injured, uh, disabled. I think we're headed for some really um, tumultuous times. And I think we're going to need some kind of a hard reset when it comes to pharmaceuticals, pharmaceutical industries and scrap, scrap everything, scrap the regulatory agencies. We're going to have to start start over. You know, we're basically going to have to reboot uh, medicine in some way and in many ways start over because I, I think that trust is not coming back, mm. right? You know, they, they've violated uh, our trust. Of course. Uh, they, have, they have shown, and, and you know what, one or two resignations is not going to cut it. No. It's, it's like the housing, you know, the housing bubble when it burst in 2008, mm-hmm. uh, you know, millions of people lost their, their jobs, their houses, they lost everything and no one went to jail. Right. No one was punished. Um, basically, okay, a few institutions went under, a few banks, insurance companies, what have you, went under, others got bailed out. And you know, there was no repercussions, no consequences. And, and now, you know, we're in another bubble that may be even bigger, uh, or several, you know, orders of magnitude bigger than the 2008 yeah. bubble. Right. Now we're seeing, you know, potentially humongous banks potentially going down, you know, Credit Suisse, Deutsche Bank, like when these things go down, they'll take down the entire, you know, international financial order with it. Yeah. Right. And and the consequences was it was because nobody was punished. No one was punished and the fraud continued. Right. And so we, we cannot end up in the same situation with these pharmaceutical companies where, you know, these injuries and deaths in the millions get swept under the rug somehow, or they keep rolling out the same you know, non-functional toxic mRNA platform because we know that they have other mRNA vaccines in the pipeline. They have dozens of them and they want to roll them out, right? They want to keep the gravy train going. So we're going to need some kind of a hard reset of this entire area. So so why are they not, you know, pulling these these vaccines off the market? And, and I know money is a thing and we, we can have a whole other discussion and, and start to, you know, uh, hypothesize whether it's, you know, population control or whatever. But my point is you take something like, for instance, uh, carterine. I don't know if you're familiar with carterine, but carterine was essentially exercise in a pill, right? So basically it it makes your 
It'll give you the ability to kind of work out longer. It burns visceral fat, which is great for a lot of people with that stubborn belly fat. And we know that, you know, that's tied to comorbidities and such. And, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, obesity and illness. And this would be a great way to, you know, kind of keep the population healthy. But we have a sick care system, not a healthcare system or business would kind of go under if everybody was healthy, right? But you take something like Carterine, and what they did was they had one of these rats. They gave it a substantial dose over, you know, a span of time where a human would never use for that long. The rat, you know, uh, died of cancer. And then they said, well, it causes cancer. Pull it off the market. It wasn't even for a there is no recorded, not one single recorded human, you know, cancer patient that they've been able to tie to Carterine at all. So. If you're going to take something that is so beneficial to people, use like very faulty data to claim that now it is only a research uh, chemical. You're not allowed to, you know, buy or distribute or anything with that. But you're willing to take something that even though even though it is so grossly underreported, whether you look at VAERS or even the Europeans version of VAERS, it's so grossly underreported and still holds more injury than every single vaccine before it combined. And we still have not removed it from the market. Why are we still doing this? What are your thoughts on why we're still doing this? Well, we're no longer in the realm of medicine and healthcare, right? You know, if if we were looking at um, past examples uh, of products that were pulled, you know, after a few deaths or, or a few injuries and so on, I mean, Vioxx, you know, it took tens of thousands of heart attacks, but, um, you know, we're no longer, I feel like we're no longer in, 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 looking at this from a healthcare or, or medical standpoint, right? There, there's mm -hmm. something else behind this where yes. they were willing to sacrifice all established medical ethics um, and rules and, and so on. Everything went out the window to keep this toxic product going, right? Now, I don't know if it ties into the vaccine passports and eventual sort of... Um, digitization of medical records mm -hmm. and so on right i mean that that was a huge push and i think the mrna vaccines were key to mm -hmm. that yep. uh, that if they could get everyone to take the vaccines then they could easily get everyone to have vaccine passports then you know that would of course be digital so that would be the gateway to having the rest of your medical information you know digitized mm -hmm. and so i think there there were obviously much bigger plans that that they were willing to keep this platform going, this mRNA platform going at all costs, right? And I don't think it's just to roll out other mRNA vaccines, which they are planning to. You know, there's, like I said, there's dozens of other mRNA vaccines that are in the works with several slated to come out this year. The influenza mRNA vaccines, RSV is being pushed as well. Before the end of the year, they'll have that out as well. Uh, so I, th I think it's there's more to it than that. I think it probably, I think the mRNA was the key to mm. this whole push of digitizing uh, healthcare, medicine, medical records. And I think they've sort of, you know, they sort of backed off and they're not talking about it publicly. But, you know, you know, you've, you've got the Trudeau government, you know, he, he was, he was, he was, um, he was trying to make a deal. Uh, to give healthcare money to the provinces, but he tried to tie to it again the sort of digitization of health records and and how the the provinces would be 
forced to share all the medical records with you know the federal government and so on they're not being very open about it but i think that is probably there's got to be something else to it other than you know just some just the typical health and and medicine i i think there's a lot more to it my you know idea would be that that it's key to sort of pushing this digitization of everyone's medical records and because almost everybody took the mrna vaccine now there's a group that they weren't able to get right but because they got let's say 85% of people to take at least one dose then they can use that as an excuse to tr- kind of push along yeah. that path and that may be you know that may be one of the reasons there might be other reasons but you know that's sort of my opinion yeah i mean and that's just part of you know that the pattern recognition i mean everything is trying to go digital we already know that the currency is about to shit the bed and we're about to have a digital currency why well because then they can control absolutely everything and then with the rollout of all these products well how would they force you to take them well it's simple i mean you don't do what we're telling you to do we're going to shut off your money and now we control every single dollar so it all makes perfect sense but i mean I'm just at the point where like, you know, uh, my my message to my following is is more so to just live your life because at the end of the day the thing that they can't take from you is is your, you know, your your ability to just be a human and enjoy the life that you're given and and celebrate every day um rather than, you know, live in fear because that's the I don't know, you know, what you believe or or your religious standpoint, but at the end of the day, man, like what you put out is exactly what you're going to get back. And if you're constantly putting out fear into the world, that's exactly what you're going to get back. And when you speak to an individual who doesn't live in fear, who says that they know what's going on, but they'd rather, you know, wake up grateful every single day, that's the biggest threat to, you know, our governments and these systems is people who just say, you know what, I don't need you to live my life. I don't, I'm, I'm trying to get away from the system. You know, I started something two, uh, probably about two and a half years ago now called the uh, Be Prepared. Uh, all over Canada, basically, we got a representative in every city all across Canada. And, and it would be like, okay, well, if the highways or the roads got shut down, who do you know within your community that you would be able to, you know, bounce resources off of? And who's got the generator? Who knows how to plant? Who knows how to create a fire? Who knows how to, you know, get water? Who knows, like... And, and try to create, you know, tangible community. And it seemed crazy then, but now it's like a trending thing, right? Like, oh, we need to learn how to kind of go backwards. And I did a podcast with Kristen Nagel uh, years ago when this thing first started saying that we're going to have to go backwards before we go forwards again. And I'm super grateful to find individuals like yourself who are willing to kind of take where we are, go backwards to read the data and look at what has happened and start to kind of revolutionize the way we look at medicine because at the end of the day man even what you've done with cancer you know i i honestly i'd love to have you back on just to speak about that because that's it's fascinating it's something that i feel like humanity is plagued with at this point and especially now with you know people could say that you know oh we're not sure if it's happening but i have never seen i have two family members now who have both passed away after their boosters and the cancer was fucking rapid like it went from isolated to one area to looking like a roadmap in their bodies yeah and and how do you explain that that that's not this is happening to every like almost everyone you come across has a story of somebody who has passed away from either cancer or a blood clot or some sort of a heart attack and it's all over the last two years especially 
in the last year. Now, what do you think the difference is, though, between the first two and the booster? You know, that's a, that's an interesting um, that's an interesting thought, because, you know, I mean, some people believe that the first two doses may have had more saline shots uh, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, may not have been as toxic. Um, but, you know, I mean, I've been sort of, you know, heavily researching this died suddenly phenomenon. And one thing about it is that there's not a lot there's not a lot of patterns um and you know it's you will find people who died after one shot and people who are perfectly fine after five shots and it's it's frustrating because because you know it's very random or at least it seems very random it's there's not a lot of patterns there now i i would say that overall that the boosters seem to be more toxic Mm. that there did seem to be a lot more deaths, sudden deaths, and injuries after the booster shot. You know, people would have tolerated the first shot, second shot, and then they just got absolutely destroyed yeah. by the booster shots, right? And so it does seem to be, there seems to be an overall, you know, the more toxicity in the booster shot for, for whatever reason. Now, I don't know if they put something different in the booster shots. I don't know if they increased the dose. Um, I don't know if there was a lot less you know, saline placebos, uh, and if the boosters were much more toxic just overall, uh, you know, we just don't know that information. But people, you know, unfortunately, people are still coming down with injuries even just after one or two shots. So it's not a, it's not as, it's not a black and white situation, right? And it's very random because, you know, now I'm starting to look at if I can now when I, you know can identify a sudden death and I can get a picture of their vaccine card because a lot of people posted their vaccine cards online mm-hmm. and I get their vaccine card. And now I can actually look at their batch, their serial number of their Pfizer or Moderna lot and see how many deaths, how many disabilities, how many adverse events. We can actually see that and see how bad these batches are that some of these people received. And sometimes you get one bad batch. That's enough to give you uh, either, you know, a life disabling event or a fatality, right? Uh, but there's so much variability in the batches. Uh, it's it's really a Russian roulette with with the vaccines. And just to bring it back to you know when you were talking about you know people just kind of living their life and not living in fear, and and I agree with all of that. Uh, part of what I'm trying to do is um, create more awareness and 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 just you know more knowledge. So mm-hmm. that people can then take that information and say, you know what, I'm not going to comply. I'm not going to comply with these shots anymore. I'm not going to take the new mRNA vaccine that comes, or I'm not going to believe, you know, if they scare us with some new pandemic and they say, hey, look, uh, influenza H5N1 is out and it's killing 50% of people. Hey, here, you want to take this new vaccine? People just have to stop complying, right? right? It's mass right. non-compliance is how all of this ends. Uh, especially with, you know, this whole push for, you know, with, with these mRNA vaccines, which we know that, you know, they've gone all in on this and it's mass non-compliance that will end it. And mm-hmm. it's the same thing, mass non-compliance with 15 minute cities, mass non-compliance with, you know, with the climate change agenda, with what's going on in the schools. Right. I, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that on air. Right. Yeah, but, 100% you know, you are. 
you know what I'm talking about, right? It, it's, mm-hmm. it's it's again mass non-compliance is the key to ending a lot of these things that are you know being pushed that are harmful, that are harmful for us, harmful for our families, harmful for our kids. Uh, it, it's going to be mass non-compliance that that you know I think gets us out of it. Yeah, and like you said, building communities, uh, you know, building stronger sort of communities that are more independent you know, that don't require government assistance or help where you could really sort of be self-sufficient. Right. Because being self-sufficient is, is I think personally the most important step because the less you rely on the system, if the system were to drop the hammer, you know, and, and say, well, this is what's happening and the world would, you know, finally just go to shit and you know, all chaos just ensues. If you're not prepared for that to happen, well, then whatever they give you is what you're forced to take. Yeah. But if you arm yourself with, say, your information on, you know, these vaccines and, and non-compliance and the education and the knowledge, knowledge is truly power. That is where you are going to derive all of your power. The best weapon a human can ever have is a six inches between their ears, period. And yeah. and by having individuals like you and myself and other individuals who are giving them different bits of knowledge and, and, and you know, personal responsibility and self-accountability, because I think that's another uh, huge thing that people miss. They just they like to look out the window every time they have a problem instead of look in the mirror. And we see that in our society. And I notice it's a very, very Western thing. And it drives me up the wall, man. <laughs> um but but you know your your information is is so needed it's a breath of fresh air to be speaking to individuals of your caliber your experience your knowledge um you know who are speaking the way you're speaking and and, and able to kind of hold your ground in the scientific realm but also you know understand that you know there's there's a big picture you know happening and and I just want to let you know man in closing that uh I just I appreciate your work and I, I'm I'm so glad that uh you know I had the ability to to have you on and, and pick your brain and have this discussion. I could talk to you for hours, but uh we're we're not gonna do that tonight. But uh do any anytime you 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 know want a platform to say something and you, you if you feel censored or whatever the case is or you just want to get it off your chest, do I will gladly have you on here anytime. I feel like your voice is just it's it's super valuable in letting people know the corruption in a system that they believed in wholeheartedly their entire lives and how it may not be the system that you want to give your trust to. So I'd just like to thank you for, uh, for doing that for everybody. Thanks. I appreciate you having me on. Um, you know, if people want to follow me, they can follow me on Twitter uh, at Macus MD. Uh, I also have a Substack where I put out sort of longer uh, form material uh, again, a lot of it is is obviously pandemic related right now, but you know, depending on where things will shift in in healthcare and so on, uh, I'll stay on top of that. And my Substack is macsmd.substack.com, so people can follow me there as well. And yeah, I mean, I would just encourage everyone to uh, you know, if they can, speak out, share your stories. Uh, you know, like like you shared, uh, you know, your your story with what happened in your family. You know, people are sharing theirs and, you know, sometimes they'll they'll give me the information and they say, look, uh, you know, can you get this out? Can you can you, you know, share it with a with a wider audience? Let people know this is happening or this happened in my family. Uh, like I said, you know, these bizarre, aggressive cancers that don't behave like anything we've ever seen before. 
you know, the, the sudden deaths that shouldn't be happening, people go to sleep and they never wake up again. I mean, there's something, you know, we have to do something about this, but people have to know, people have to be aware that, you know, this is a serious problem. It's happening to a lot of people. So I would just encourage um, everyone to, you know, speak out, share your stories, don't be afraid. And, you know, this this is the way to to put a lot of this, you know, behind us, uh, especially with, you know, what's been done to people for the last three years. I mean, we, you know, we can't go through something like this again. I, I don't think society would survive another uh, attack. I mean, this was an, an, an attack on all of us. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like you said, they wiped out, they wiped out small businesses. Uh, you know, they shut us in, they locked us down. They did the exact opposite of what we should have been doing. We should have been out there. We should have been exercising. We should have been going to gym. We should have mm -hmm. been, uh, you know, in, in the outdoors, you know, getting vitamin D, uh, taking, you know, simple medications uh, when we needed to, right? The ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine or what have you, uh, you know, they, they, they basically did everything to harm us uh, for the last three years did the exact opposite of what should have been done with this respiratory virus, regardless of its origin, right? Regardless of whether you sure. know, I feel it was manufactured, uh, I feel it was uh, basically a weapon, right? Mm -hmm. By a weapon. Yep. But regardless of what it was, you know, there were simple ways of dealing with it. Uh, and, and you know, uh, we, these, we let these people uh, basically, you know, almost destroy society. Uh, and so, you know, I think that can't happen again. And, and it's, and, and it's like you said, no one's coming to save us. It, it's going to come from the people, uh, you know, we have to speak out, push back and push back against all of this. So I appreciate you having me on for, uh, you know, to, to share, share these thoughts and, and, and these views.